cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. All right. It is the 24th of May, 2021. It's 9 a.m. in the east coast of Los Estados Unidos. That means only one thing. This is Morning Combat, two hours before its normal start time. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. But the both of us, the both of us, Viacom CBS employees. Uh, my name is, as I mentioned, Luke Thomas. That's Brian B.C. Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. How was your weekend? It was wonderful, Luke. The uh, the weather. Look, here's the deal, Luke. I grew up my whole life as a youth thinking summer was the best season. And growing up in, in New England, you get all four seasons. You get them intense, brother, right up the backside. And, you know, as an adult, Luke, I settled in on autumn, or as they call it around these Ooh. parts, fall as the real season. Luke, I've been wrong this whole time. Spring is a bad mother effort, Luke. I mean, what a wild, what a beautiful weekend I had. It's morning somewhere, so thank you to all for waking up this early, okay? Our friend, our fans in Australia getting to watch us live down under. So uh, I'll be jumping on an airplane after this on assignment in a very secret uh, clandestine operation that hopefully people will find out later. But uh, Luke, I'm happy to be here. I was in a kayak over the weekend in the sun. Mm. I had dogs swimming around next to me. I mean, I was living a, a, a brief taste of the good life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's nice. I took my daughter to uh, her first sports game yesterday. I told you no one would uh, recognize me there because MMA fans don't watch other sports for the most part. So we went to D.C. United. They lost to the Philadelphia Union, but that's okay. Because B.C., my kid, she just turned two. You've got to have managed expectations about how much of a game she'll watch. Yeah. Let me tell you if you think this is a victory for a two-year-old, all right? Doesn't even know what soccer is. I got a solid in the chair, focused on the field. I got a wow. solid 30 minutes out of that. 30 minutes. That's pretty good. I would have guessed that she would have probably crapped her pants because that happens at public events when you're with your kids. And she probably would have wanted to leave within 20 minutes. So you're, you already won there. Get her a hot dog. Keep her, keep her satisfied for a while, Luke. Okay. We, yeah, we, ma we made it. We made it fifth, almost 20 minutes into the second half. I feel like that's pretty good. Uh, as I hear strange noises that emanate from yeah. places that I don't know about. Um, okay, we have a lot to, to get to today, BC, because there was Bellator on Friday. There was Taylor Ramirez on Saturday. There was UFC on Saturday. A lot of different stuff. Plus, we have stuff coming up this weekend. The train keeps moving forward. As always, like the video, uh, and then please subscribe to this wonderful podcast if you are so inclined, because we have a lot of things going on that you're going to want to pay attention to. Please, please. Uh, if you want to try Showtime, you can see all of the social media places you can give us a follow there. Morning Combat, same name everywhere. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go do something else with your life. If you want to email the show, any of your illustrations, any of you guys wearing MK gear in public, morningcombat at gmail.com is the best place to go. Remember, for Memorial Day, we are going to do a special mailbag episode. Go ahead and on Apple Podcast, leave us a nice review. Yes, we're gaming the system. We acknowledge it outright, but it's a great way for us to game the system. And when you leave us a nice five-star review, put a question in there, and then we'll read them for the yeah, mailbag Unlike episode. Luke's Real Madrid fandom, we're at least being upfront with what's really happening here. So shout out to that. <laughs> Luke, notice you didn't mention at all that the new merch is coming. Notice that you just avoided that topic I mean, I mean hold on. BC, BC, why should I? What reason? 
could I possibly give today for the fans to take us even halfway seriously on this claim? Thank you. I mean, it's it's not always there when you call, and it's never on time. It is Morning Combat merch <laughs> 2.0. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get merch that's already available, if you live in five counties that they can throw a Frisbee to, store.show.com. You're in luck. But for everyone else, they... I don't even know what to tell these people anymore, dude. Like, it's it's not it's not even worth bringing up until there's real movement, and I don't even know when that's going to be. So, you know, great job on everyone who had a hand in that, I guess. Yay. <laughs> I, I got right, nothing BC. to say. I'm sorry, people. All right? I'm yeah. fighting for you, but I got nothing to say. All right? It is what it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. With that out of the way, BC, we do have a lot of topics to get to, so let's hit them up in order. All right. Topic number one. Let's start with it. Rob Font defeats Cody Garbrandt via unanimous decision. I believe there was like a couple of 50-45s in there, maybe one 48-47. I don't know how on earth you can give Cody Garbrandt two rounds of that fight. It was one-way traffic basically from the get-go. I thought Rob Font looked incredible. The question is, BC, that let's see what you think about this. Two-parter. Number one, is this a real classic example? of what we call a signature win, and two, where does this actually put him, Rob Font, in that contendership bantamweight space? Yes, Luke, look, there are times that I don't think every main event should be a five-rounder. This was one of those where we had to learn something about Rob Font, and we learned it in a big way. This was a big night, this UFC fight night card in Vegas, for people taking that that serious next-level leap. Here's what I learned about Rob Font to the point of your questions. This was a breakout signature win, one, yes. And two, this puts him in the title conversation, which is has to be exactly what he was looking for. Is he next? No, it's a crowded space, only made more difficult by the situation between Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling with the DQ and all that. We know that stuff. But here's what Rob Font did for five rounds. Showed me, Luke, he's better than I thought he was. He was so damn poised against a former champion, against a guy with knockout power at any time. Luke, I don't want to get weird and gross with you, but this was like the perfect example of the start-stop method. You remember that from high school, right? Did you go to Catholic high school or something? Uh, <laughs> Luke, it was constant pressure, but up to a certain point. And that constant f- pressure constantly put Cody Garbrandt on the defensive. And while I'm here to say, like, it was good from a Cody Garbrandt who's trying to mature following those three knockout losses that he never really took the bait and he never really went for broke and went for the knockout. But in a weird way, that almost played against him because what Rob Font showed me for five rounds, 25 minutes, was that his technical game is at such a very high level that he simply outboxed and, 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 and just outperformed Cody. But then he had the two key intangibles in, in which he was able to pull it off. He had the chin and the balls, you know, to, to back up him to the times that when Cody did land big, he never crumbled. And then, Luke, I think you, you, you know full well, while his takedown defense was, you know, not 100% accurate, his ability to not get in any kind of trouble on the ground and make all of Cody's level changes and takedowns essentially worthless was very key in this. This was a mature title picture ready type performance and i don't think you can say anything else but although this guy's not next he is in play right now in a very crowded division i mean just look at the still shots here that we're showing of the victory it it was it was a masterful performance by rob font one largely a function of who controlled the range 
Cody Garbrandt could never establish his range. There were times when maybe um, you would see Font get pushed back a little bit and Cody would land a good shot, or sometimes Rob Font would maybe slightly overcommit and you would see Rob get countered by Cody in those circumstances. But other than that, which was fairly few and far between, Rob Font completely showing us if you can take a mature, developed, range-centric, I mean, I think behind the jab, kind of boxing game into modern MMA with all the other things you mentioned, the Kimura trap system from underneath, or he was using also front kicks as well, right? Sort of mixing everything up. You know, you can just do absolutely spectacular things. You know, you look at his, this is the win streak he's been on, BC, right? Uh, For Rob Font. Rob Font, since losing to Asunsao, he beat Sergio Pettis, who's the new Bellator Bantamweight champion. He beat Ricky Simone, who's just an absolute the definition of grinder, Marlon Marais, former champion, and now Cody Garbrandt over five rounds, never showing even a slight hint of uh, cardiovascular conditioning issues or anything else. It was so, it was just a demonstration of somebody because Rob Fonts always had good technical prowess, but he was kind of overwhelmed by like John Lineker's firepower. Boy, I wonder what would happen if they ran that back. Lineker's still a force to be reckoned with, but Font, to me, has worked out how to deal with all of those different kinds of guys. And so he was always the guy who gave good fighters tough outs. Now he's become that good fighter. Now he's become that elite. If you can beat a guy, BC, in bantamweight at 135 pounds, right, inside the top five that thoroughly... Wow, man, that that does not come very often. Incredible. Yeah. And look, job. our commenter, our commenters know full well it wouldn't be morning combat without Luke calling Marlon Marais a former champion. You meant World Series of Fighting, not UFC. Yes, although, he was a World Series of Fighting champion. Yes. Shout out to him. Uh, so what I meant on the sort sort of start stop method thing, Luke, is it's sort of like you know it's a precarious sort of tiptoeing walk to be able to put on a certain level of pressure, but not go over that line because Rob Font didn't want to trade bombs with Cody. Most guys wouldn't and shouldn't. And his ability to stay just short of that line, yet disciplining Cody by doing that. Luke, in the end, do you think Cody was too disciplined for his own good in which that technical jabbing, yet pressure up to a certain point style from Font put Cody in just a a box that he couldn't get out of? Would you have liked to have seen in hindsight, mid-round four, Garbrandt going, you know what? They don't want me to be the brawler, but this might be my only chance to win. It's not even the brawling. I didn't understand why there weren't... Like, you knew Rob was going to pressure you, right? And he's using the jab. Cody's good at trunk movement. Cody's good at rolling. Cody's... He wasn't so good at slipping in this one. But the point I'm trying to make is, if you look at what he would do when Dominic Cruz would overcommit, he would have a flurry of hand combinations to really deter him from any kind of forward pressure, which changed the game a little bit. I was wondering where those were. To me, it was a lot of sometimes he would throw a single shot, sometimes he would cover up, sometimes he'd get hit, and sometimes he'd just evade. There wasn't this moment where he would try to really overwhelm you for someone overstepping it, aside from the occasional one-time big shot that would land, which, to, to Cody's credit, sometimes it did land with authority. It wasn't like it was a lost cause altogether. It just wasn't enough for to put together a winning performance by itself. So so that that's the part to me. Here's the other part, BC. I wonder how you feel about this. I can't decide. To me, that fight looked absolutely lost to Cody after the third. Not to say he quit fighting, but I just didn't... It didn't look competitive to me after the third. Like, they had kind of settled into their roles a little bit. How much do you think Cody gassed 
And is it at all related to, I, I, I don't want to make this a politicized battle, I just want to bring it up just to say, he was off for a while, and he had a uniquely troubling bout with COVID. A uniquely troubling, I mean, he lost six months of his career just to get over it, all right? Do we think he had any lingering impacts from it? It, look, I, it's hard for me to answer that without really knowing and being in his body. I didn't think that, though, to be honest, one time during the fight. I didn't think he actually gassed, Luke. I just think that he was almost a little too overconfident that he was going to find a way with a counter shot to turn the complete momentum of the fight and get a finish. Now, uh, again, this is where you got to credit Rob Font's chin. Cody did have moments in three, four, and five, brief moments. Counter, counter overhand right. I think he had a knee at one time to the face, but Font never showed, you know, any sort of vulnerability like, oh crap, you know, he's hurt or, or this could be an opening for Cody. So I think in the end, I, I saw Cody that was, while you may be right in saying that, there may be underlying factors physically that, that did not allow him to raise his game to another level. What I saw instead was a fighter who's still trying to figure out up here the, the fighter that all the all the coaches, you know, he had Mark Henry to, to his team. You know, it's like they're looking at what he did wrong in those three losses, and they're trying to make him a little bit more disciplined and fix errors. I saw a guy whose head, whose brain is constantly like, I'm trying to be this, I'm trying to be this, I'm trying to be this, and he's not really comfortable in being that. That's what I saw in the end, Luke, that, mm. you know, he knows he needs to be less aggressive, but he's not fully comfortable in doing that. Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't know that that any lingering COVID issues has anything to do with it. I'm just sort of wondering what other people might have to say about it. To me, it's you know at, at best inconclusive. We don't, we simply don't know. And I also think there's some of these other things where you're trying to get him to fight in a way that doesn't come natural. Far be it for me to say that you know coaches should listen to what we have to say about game plans. But I do think here's one thing I just couldn't pick up on. I you know it's the fourth and fifth round. You probably have lost at least the first two of the three, right? I know some folks that think gave Cody the first. Okay, I didn't think that was deserved, but I can understand that. Two and three, no chance. Four, no chance. So let's say you lost those. Dude, into the fifth round, there should be more urgency. You know, I just didn't see in, in, the late, in the late moments a lot of urgency. Now what, now, what that lack of urgency comes from, hey, man, your guess is as good as mine. But I did find that a little surprising for a guy who used to fight bite down on the mouthpiece style. Okay, you want to redirect that. But when it's time to channel that beast, it's time to channel the beast. And I, I, well, I just didn't – I never saw that gear. Here's what's crazy. Look, it, it, this is not the same Cody Garbrandt from the championship version of him. We all understand that, all right? But – and I don't want to discount what three knockout defeats could, could, could have done to diminish him to a certain degree, right? But I think for Cody, it's a confidence game. Like, what is the, the key part about that Dominic Cruz performance that was so just, just you know, leap through your screen? The poise. Oh, he danced? And, I mean, yeah. I mean, he got the robot dance going. But the poise and the confidence he showed in that fight, Luke. I mean, the ability to, to like, be in that deep end of the pool against an experienced champion and be in command and look like he was born to do that. He was riding at a level of confidence. And I, I bring this up a lot because I, it's, you know, you, you talk to the fighters, they'll tell you it's 90% mental. Almost everything in life is. He's not the same. He, he, you know, if he's lost anything in those three knockout losses, Luke, I, I think it is that confidence and it's r rightfully so. He got a, a good deal of it back in the Asuncao fight and he looked incredible, but we don't know. To, to what you said earlier, the full extent of what the last year has done to him physically or mentally. 
Uh, it wasn't an awful performance from him. It did lack urgency. I think he was surprised that Font was that good and could cut that high level of a pace and never really crumble. I would have liked to have seen more of a strategy on the ground when he took Font down. There's certainly a lot of things I can pick at. But I'm also, I, I don't know if, he, if, if, if the, uh, the mojo is still there, Luke. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have to see. In terms of Rob Font, what do you think makes sense next? Should he get the winner of Sanhagen and Dillashaw? Should he fight someone else around that space? What do you think? Well, it's going to be interesting because I think we've both established in previous episodes that Sanhagen, if he beats Dillashaw, I mean, what you know, he, he has to be next in line, right? So that sort right. of covers that. But there are other names around that 456 area that, that could make sense. Do you have the rankings out in front of you, Luke? Matchmaker. Yes, me, okay? I do. So, obviously, Aljamain's the champion. One is Peter Jan. They're going to have to run that back. So, from there out, you have Corey Sandhagen at two, Rob Font at three, Garbrandt at four, Jose Aldo at five. He's got to fight with Marlon or um, Pedro Munoz coming up. But then it gets kind of slim picking. Six is Marlon Moraes. He already beat him. Frankie Edgar is in there, but, you know, he got absolutely wrecked by Sandhagen. Munoz at eight, Cruz at nine, and then Marab Devalishvili at ten. You could maybe fudge the Cruz fight as a way to get him a bigger name. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say Edgar or Cruz at, for the whole standpoint of we don't have anything bigger for you, so let's give you a big name that you can potentially, if you can do it again, you can really make a leap up. Look, 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 they match guys against old names for that explicit purpose, but it really works in the public eye. When you defeat a, a big name, whether that person is faded or not, people tend to take you a lot more seriously. All right. Let's move on to topic number two, if we can. A little bit of crow that we have to eat here. I mean, we didn't totally dismiss Carla Esparza. In fact, I think we give her credit for some of the stuff that she's done in her career. But I don't know that either of us saw this coming. You want to talk about one-way traffic, BC. Carla Esparza absolutely stomps on Yon Xiaonan. Not, not especially competitive at all, BC. Folks, or, or BC, why have folks, including us, not been dismissive. We were never dismissive of Carla Esparza, but we were a little bit dismissive of her chances here or her chance to even look as good as she did. Why, number one, BC, and two, title shot next? Okay, why? Because she hadn't yep. shown this mentality, focus, and drive to be a finisher in the past. You add to that some split decision wins against some very good competition. That It wasn't smoke or mirrors, but we saw somebody with the potential of warning track power. And what I mean by that is warning track power from the idea of I'm going to go in there, I'm going to own this fight and finish you. Luke, I will happily take the L right here. This was a mature impressive, commanding performance by the Cookie Monster who is ready to be the best that she's ever been in her career. Five wins in a row. And what did we say? With the storyline of her and Rose and her having defeated Nama Yunus in 2014 for the inaugural title, she's going to have a, a, an upper hand on others if she can come forth with a win in this fight and be impressive doing so to leap above everybody and get into that, that next title shot. Uh, Luke, she did that and then some. She, this was, this was one-way traffic's not even the best way to do it. Look, here's the thing about Carla. She came in in the best shape of her life, and you could see that at the weigh-in. And she's talked about how much extra work she's put in. Luke, when fighters get to that point in their early 30s, when they've already had the big moment earlier in their career, sometimes it's hard to, you know, you can stay at a pretty good level, but it's hard to find that extra gear to dig really deep and evolve your game and also physically take your game to a level you've never been. Let's give her 
full credit. Has there been a couple split decisions along the way? Yes. But she's fighting top competition in a dangerous division, and she's getting better. Now, look, this fight completely went her way on her terms. But if she can do that and be the best wrestler in this division now that Suarez is moving up and really carry out this grungy, almost angry style on the ground... Um, yeah, she's a legitimate title contender, and she deserves to be next because she didn't allow Jan a, a second of hope in this fight. And it was shocking to see, given the striking of Jan coming in, but Esparza took every opportunity and advantage. You saw that early shoot two seconds into the fight. And, Luke, to see her that vicious and going for the finish, this is a new fighter. I don't know what happened in that training camp, Luke. I'll have what she's having there because this is a new fighter who is hungry, angry, and ready to get back to a level she has never been at before, straight up. This is the best version of her I've ever seen, and I'm very happy to see that. You know, to me, there's like three places of her career. There's everything she did to get to the UFC, including that title win over Rose, but then there was her period of adjusting to the UFC level of competition, right? She had moved out of the regional slash Invicta space, and then there's this last period where she has really... Uh, Developed. I mean, how, how many times do we come on the show and say, hey, we need to really reevaluate X or Y? We had this impression of them that's lasted a while, but all of their recent success is making us rethink exactly how good they may be or where their place in the division lies. So, to wit, she goes 10 and 2, beating Rose Namajunas, but then she l wins three, but loses four of her next seven UFC fights, right? So she's, uh, uh, you know, underwater, so to speak. And then BC, she beats Vina uh, Jean Jaroba, who we know is obviously a phenomenal black belt. She beats Alexa Grasso. Okay, she had two tight ones against Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez, but hello, those names are incredible. And then she just absolutely decimates inside of two Jan <coughs> Xiaonan. Dude, that is an amazing win streak. That is very good. Those are all credentialed opponents. And to your point, man, it's a mentality shift that I think is brought to bear by one. She's been working with a great team for a long time. Colin Oyama just knows how to bring people along. You know, she stumbled adjusting to the next level, but not anymore. She fully belongs here. She is absolutely a title contender in my you mind. You just nailed it. La 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 last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, and I'll pitch it back to you. She's got a little bit of the Wonder Boy vibes, BC. We see someone go for a title, you know, uh, or, or they get kind of overwhelmed by the top of the division and then pushed out. And you say to yourself, okay, they had their chance with the belt. Let's just see what everyone else can do. But she has stubbornly refused to give in to that. And look, you know, she's she's evolved with the div division finally. And that's the key point, Luke, is that she won the title you know, at day one of this division, when the Ultimate Fighter season rolled out. And, you know, you look back and you see how, like, simplistic that version of Rose was compared to the Rose now, right? Everyone in this division has evolved and grown at such a high rate, so I'm very happy to take the L and see her involvement equal that now and see her, you know, worthy of this. Yes, I think she deserves and will be the next title challenger, helped, of course, by the built-in story, but it's a great built-in story of her having previously defeated Rose. But, look, one, one devil's advocate point here. Uh, this fight went perfectly in Esparza's lane, played to her strength. She got takedowns, and she went right into side position, trying to set up that crucifix, brutal elbows. And look, like Jan was just run over. It wasn't even close. If an elite can stuff her takedown, can she still win the championship? I don't know. Pro probably not. 
Probably not. I mean, her best work is clearly mixing it up and or punishment or control on the on the feet. Oh, sorry, on the ground. You know, it's a little bit like Frankie Edgar. Can he win outright striking? Mm, it's a little dicey. Can he win if he can establish the takedown threat? He's much more likely to do well, right? It's, it's something. I mean, I'm not saying he has the same. Edgar has. But she's great a good boxing. boxer. Look, she can box. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. Yeah, but I'm he saying she doesn't quite have Frankie Edgar boxing. But I know. I, I know what you mean. I mean, it's the same thing as saying that. You know, if you stuff Habib, can you beat him? Well, you know, it probably in theory, but good luck doing so, right? Right, right. You know, it, well, she did lose to Tatiana Suarez. I mean, Suarez is but is is now leaving the division though. So it's like. I don't, I don't know who would be able to stop her. I guess we'll see, you know, if she has a rematch against Ian Jacek, that'd be kind of interesting. I'd love to see that. Um, I don't know if she'll get a title shot. Let me see the, the cue here. Yeah, she's getting the, Luke, Wiley, she's going to get the next title shot. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right think now. Think so? Yep, I'm telling you. She had Yan Xiaonan sitting at three, so Esparza will leap that. And then you've got one and two as Wiley and Joanna, but they might put them together. There's a lot of different ways that could go. And, and look, um, look, we always look at matchmaking, you and I, through the, the lens of, of the promoter, which you have to. And look, Carlos Barza, you know, Mexican-American, and that's a market that they don't regularly tap big into. Um, I, I think you go in that direction for the storyline, and it also helps you rebuild slowly should Rose beat Carla you get back into that Whaley rematch. I think Whaley needs a needs a comeback fight to reestablish herself, Luke. And, and if you yeah, do, yeah, I think that's right. And, and by the way, Mackenzie Dern is sitting at five, but I don't think you could leap her. Sorry, I don't think you could push her ahead of Asparza at this point. I don't think you could do that. Agreed. All right, point number three here. Uh, let's talk about this. This was to me the best fight all weekend. Period. I don't think there's anything even all that close. Uh, credit to BC. When he told us to pay attention, I did. Uh, I learned my lesson in ignoring that, and the fight delivered enormously. Josh Taylor becomes only the sixth boxer in modern history to unify all four of the major sanctioning body titles in one weight class, in this case, junior welterweight, or around 140, 141 pounds or so. Um, and he did it by knocking down Jose Ramirez twice, and just being the sharper boxer overall, certainly down the stretch, BC. Okay, a lot of different pieces I want to put together here. Let's start with this one. How historic is this achievement? Biggest takeaway. You know, it's weird because when, when Terrence Crawford did this in 2017, and again, I said this the other day, when he knocked out Julius Ndongo, it was like, who the hell is Ndongo? And since then... Who the hell is in Dongo, right? So I don't think we gave Bud Crawford as much credit because we're sort of like, okay, the division's kind of dead. What made this extra special was that you had two established unbeaten champions, each with two belts, and each having gone through the wars to get to this point. And with COVID, it delayed the fight an additional year. So, Luke, it was like on paper, this fight can't lose. It's going to kill. It's going to entertain. It's historic. And you know what? It, it didn't even live up to its expectations, but credit to both guys, it was still a, a, a th mini thriller. It was still a great fight. So, yes, because of what I just said, it means more historically. Uh, very few people have done this. It's hard to do in this multi-belt era. Put all these belts together. You got mandatories. You got a lot of bullshit, right? Well, Taylor went through that bullshit, and he went through a very tough and game fighter. Luke, I said coming in, the difference would be Taylor's power. And it was because, uh, you know, you saw that with the two knockdowns and those that turned out to be very key in the scoring. I had issue with the scoring 114, 112 from all three judges across the board. So that tells you they scored the fight six to six would have been a draw without those two knockdowns. 
I had this fight nine rounds to three. So, mm. you know, was I over and above in the direction of Taylor? Compared to the judges, yes. I just thought what Taylor did, Luke, was he knew he had a hard charger in front of him, a guy in Ramirez who likes to get inside, who likes to get off first. He took away Ramirez's jab and, for the most part, kept the fight at middle distance. And at middle distance, Josh Taylor from that southpaw stance is a killer. He's got a stiff jab. He can go to the body from distance and land, which he did to slow Ramirez down. And he's got that big left hand when needed. I think that all came together. It was a brilliant performance, a pound-for-pound top 10 worthy performance for a guy from Taylor who has been lingering around that. When he beat Ruger a couple years ago, he, he got a couple votes. He's been lingering around that top 10. To me, this leaps him into it. Josh, uh, is it, what, what's the, um, the, his trainer, Tyson Fury's old trainer? Ben, ben Davison? Ben Davison, that's what it is. Ben Davison, I, ask I, you about him. I think, has been a huge help to the game planning, a very underrated guy who, you know, Tyson Fury kind of threw him to the side to bring in, uh, you know, the old Kronk trainer, and that's, that's great for Tyson. He wanted to be more offensive, but Davidson's a, a, a game planner, an X's and O's guy, and I think you saw that, Luke. Ramirez, I'll give him love and credit. He's never going to be out of a fight because he's going to keep coming, but I think after those two knockdowns, he was a little bit, you know, getting by on fumes and just trying to go forward and do whatever he can do. He wasn't really in the fight. I know three of the judges gave him a bunch of those final rounds. Again, I disagree because I thought Taylor was controlling him from distance, but who cares at the end of the day? The right guy won. And this is a potential, a potential star-making turn here for Taylor from Scotland because they're talking about maybe Terrence Crawford next. And whether he does or he doesn't, you got a lot of stars at 35, including Teofimo Lopez, that are going to want to move up. This will become big business for Taylor. And Luke, uh, you know, I think he proved without a shadow of the doubt he was the better man. Yeah, he did. I, 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 I had a score... Uh, a little bit more in keeping with what the commentator said. I wasn't hardcore scoring, but it did seem to me that I thought through the early part of the fight, uh, Ramirez was doing the better work. But then once he got, not that Taylor wasn't landing on him. I mean, Taylor was finding home runs left and right. But then once he dropped him in that sixth or sixth or seventh round, whatever, whichever one it was, uh, the fight turned. He could no longer fully commit to being himself. Like, the things he did, what was Ramirez's best round? Like the third round, right? Third. Where he just really yeah, he went pressure. to work on him. He, turned, he yeah. stepped up the pressure he and he got inside. Right, exactly. He couldn't get back to that space. I got to tell you, I, I found Ben Davison's game plan here pretty amazing. One of the things I wanted to pay attention to was the footwork here. I know Ben Davison got let go by Tyson Fury, but you could argue, you could argue that Ben Davison had a winning game plan in the first fight. Maybe too defensive, maybe not the best game plan he could have had, but you can argue that was a winning game plan. That's, it, wasn't, it wasn't terrible by any stretch. And in this one, you know what's kind of amazing? They kept talking about that pull counter two that he had where he pulled, Ramirez came in, and he popped him with the left. But don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the footwork, and you'll see Ramirez really wide, and you'll see Taylor intentionally taking that middle space, forcing him uh, to come a little bit wide, and when he does, he gets under it, and then brings the left across his body to hit it. He doesn't do that a lot of other times when he throws the left. Those other times, he actually would step outside. He let Ramirez have the lead outside foot positioning for a lot of the rounds, I think to force him to go wide so he can maintain that jab space, get any uppercuts coming through the middle, and then find those short, sharp counters that you ultimately saw, even if you had to bring it across his body 
to do it. Man, he is a talented guy. That's a that's a powerful tandem between him and Ben Davison. Now, in terms of what might be next as the right call, whether it's Bud Crawford or someone comes up from 135, I don't really know. But I got to tell you, Taylor is a guy that I did not want to like because he was beating favorite boxers of mine or ones I really knew better and appreciated. But, dude, he is he is frighteningly good. Very scary. Well, he- Couldn't really match Ramirez on the inside for that inside space, but would take his time and find absolute lasers to drill him with, and that made a big difference in the end. Well, you mentioned Davidson's such a perfect pairing for him. Davidson's a really smart coach, but you need the, the student to be able to carry out, and I think what we learned is that Taylor, to the footwork to what you said, the IQ, but also the toughness, which he showed against Ruguru when his eye got shut, it is a perfect pairing. Let's not forget, Davidson's game plan in that first Fury-Wilder fight, Luke, was to get Fury to have an active guard, which means constantly move his hands, and what they wanted to do was take away Wilder's jab. They thought Wilder was most dangerous with the right hand when he's using it as a 1-2 coming over the jab. So Fury's active guard kept freezing Wilder, and to a certain degree, you saw some of those you know, uh, game plan work against Ramirez. Ramirez likes to get inside on you, but he uses the jab to enter. They almost completely took away Ramirez's jab for two-thirds of this fight. So credit to them, a brilliant game plan, but also a brilliant execution. And when we talk about what's next, now Jack Catterall of the UK is the mandatory next for Taylor. So that could happen next, but I don't think it will because Bob Arum has a lot of motivation, Luke. Now that Terrence Crawford didn't get the Manny Pacquiao fight, uh, all reports are showing that Bud Crawford's contract with Top Rank ends in October. Uh, if Bob wants to not only get one more fight out of Bud, but Luke, you could argue, try to convince Bud to stay put with Top Rank and not go over to PBC land and chase Spence and all the other big welterweights, giving him a big fight with a big name who just came off the big win and Taylor would make a ton of sense. Luke, I want to ask you, because you do get the X's and O's in, in both sports, you know, you see a lot of instant reaction on Twitter of, oh, God, you know, great win by Taylor, but Bud Crawford's going to send him to the woodshed. Could Taylor beat Crawford? Is this a, It's not a 50-50 fight. Bud Crawford's pound for pound top, you know, three at worst, right? Is this a fight Taylor could win in your eyes? Because Crawford could do everything, switch stances, brawl, box. We know how great he is. That's a tough fight, <laughs> you know. That's a hard fight to win, I'll be honest. Um I would be, I would, I would favor pretty strongly um, Bud to win that. But I th- listen, man. If you unify a weight class at this point and you want to go up to challenge somebody special in the division above you, you have absolutely earned that right. You've earned enough respect for us to say, well, you know, we can't say who we we, we don't have to we don't have to say things we don't believe. But we should also have a measure of humility that when someone accomplishes something that great. They might be capable of things that perhaps skeptics are, should have a little bit more of a, uh, a humility about in declaring what they can't actually do. So I don't favor his chances against Bud Crawford. Dude, to me, Bud Crawford's timing and the narrow windows in which he can land is uniquely special, even among greats in boxing right now. But I agree. you do what this guy did, you give him a shot. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. So also, Ruguru Regis Progray wants Taylor next. Just to update, uh, Progray did sign a one-fight deal with PBC. We saw him on the um, undercard of what? One of, was it the Gervonta pay-per-view? Tr- then he we fought for Triller. Triller for. Then right. he fought for Triller for one, and now he's a free agent. So I'm wondering, Luke, if there. You know, I don't mean to make this all about Crawford, but this is an important topic now. 
is there enough in the top rank stable? If if Bob could sit down with Terrence Crawford and say, I could get you Taylor next. I can get you Rougarou in the future. I could get you maybe Teofimo in two years moving up. I wonder if there's enough there to keep Crawford there if Bob says, I will also work as hard as I can dealing with Heyman to make the you know, the, the one-time Spence fight. I don't, I don't know, Luke. I don't know. I don't know if it's enough, but it's interesting. I, I would say, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But I'd be curious. Listen, here's what I'll say. I, I don't know if Bob wants to be in the Bud Crawford business anymore, even if you can find clever ways now that you've got some of these interesting things happening where you could keep him under wraps. I don't know if Bob really cares about that at this point, given some of the, the rhetoric that he's put out there. And how much of that is just Bob negotiating in public, I don't know. But, you know, I tend to think that they might give him one more and then just let him walk. I don't think that they really want to keep... They don't want to keep this guy for, what, another two years and just more of this bullshit? I don't, no, I don't, I don't find that the likeliest thing. But um, I will say, if they can find a way to make a Taylor and Bud Crawford fight... You, you, you'll find me front row, right? That, that is a very, very interesting, and again, I think Taylor's got an uphill battle, but he's earned the right to, to dare to be great. I, I think it's pretty Luke, fair quick off script here. I don't know if you saw for the press conference for this fight when Bob Arum came out and gave a scalding, uh, uh, you know, lecture to the crowd for wearing masks, saying COVID yeah. is over, take your effing masks off. We saw some, even Canadian MMA journalists come out publicly and throw stones at him saying if Dana White said that, he would be, you know, burned up. You're Dr. Luke Fauci. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention because Bob is old and just yells things like, you know, a goat bleeding at the edge of a uh, edge of a cliff. Uh, listen, Ariel's right. You know, if Dana White said something like that, we'd probably all be burying him. You know, Bob, Bob's totally irresponsible for that. I mean, listen. You know, DC United game was outside last night, and they said if you're fully vaxxed, you don't have to wear a mask. I didn't even bring a mask to the fucking ballpark. Damn I didn't right, I'm not Luke, these guys. Okay. Yeah, well, I believe up. in science, and I believe it works. So I'm just sort of pointing out, declaring that the pandemic is over. It's not over for people who have immunocompromised conditions. It's not over for people who are not vaccinated. It's not over for a lot of people. So it's not over for it's Canadians. A, it's a dumbass right? thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. All but right. Okay. Enough, enough COVID talk, Luke. Let's talk fights. You... Yeah. Let's talk more COVID, because that's what really this was. Morning COVID with a K. Do you think All that right. the people would prefer more Paul brother talk or more COVID talk on our show? It's it's very <laughs> Well, close. if the Paul brothers got COVID, they might want us to talk about that. But short <laughs> yeah. of that, I don't know. All right. Let's get to what happened here on Showtime on Friday. Not the most entertaining show, if we can be candid with you. I thought, in fact, it was pretty boring. But in the main event, Chris Cyborg stops Leslie Smith in the fifth round. Now, Cyborg tweeted me yesterday to challenge me a little bit. Nothing too serious, but in the win, BC. It wasn't her, Luke. Ch oh. Alert, alert. It wasn't her. Oh, wait, okay. wait. The no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She does have people who control her account, but you can tell there's a difference a bit in the English. Look at the way she was tweeting. There's a, there's a, there's a follow-up there where it, it sounds a little bit more like her. But in either case, it doesn't matter. I'll just tell you what the, whoever was in control of that account said. There was no denying that Cyborg was the one winning that fight up until the fifth, late fifth. There was no denying that she was the one who had showed the best skills. We could go on and on from here. But to me, it looked like in real time, she was maybe slowing down a bit. Now, whoever was in control of Cyborg's Twitter was saying, okay, but the plan was the fifth. The plan was to work on the things in camp, give it some time, and then let it you know, take over late. But was, I mean, here's the thing, BC she stopped her with 10 seconds left. It wasn't like 
they came out in the fifth early trying to really put her away. It just kind of happened a little bit later. So I'm not here to suggest that that's not true. I don't even know if that's the best game plan. What is your read on a good win by Cyborg? Make no mistake. Is she slowing down just a little? First of all, uh, slowing down is natural, so we have to wake up to that, right. okay? You know, um, so, it, it, yes, I believe I saw a little bit of that, but I also saw a lot of Leslie Smith's, um, you know, look, you and I had talked on H CBS Sports HQ on this show, you know, like, how do we kind of talk a game plan for Leslie Smith to win here? And we're like, you know... Uh, look at the odds. There really isn't one, right? But, you know, Smith did work on her defense, and she was very outspoken about that. She was too aggressive in their first fight, and she got finished in the first round. I want to give Smith credit. A very responsible defense here. Was it survival mode? Well, Luke, I mean, she I don't believe she had the firepower to win this fight under any circumstance. So, yes, it turned into survival mode. So that's just me saying... Other opponents in this spot would have put themselves in spots to get finished. Smith was more defensively uh, set up and trying to, you know, and had good stamina and all that. So it, it took Chris longer than normal or than it should have been. I didn't see Chris go out of her way to go for the finish. So there were times, Luke, including to open round five, where I'm like, maybe Cyborg's content to just get a win here. I mean... Valentina Shevchenko sometimes is content to get a win, right? You know, we like look at the Karmush rematch. She's just sort of like, all right, we're going to go the distance here. Uh, to Chris's credit, she still got the finish. So I'm not here to say, you know, it's caught up with her, but it's naturally going to catch up with her to a certain degree. Would Cyborg of five years ago have finished this earlier? Yes, probably. Smith made it tougher. Cyborg still got the win. She's 35. It is what it is at the end of the day, Luke. Whether she attacks you on Twitter or not, She's going to slowly go in that direction. I just don't think they got anybody under roster that has the firepower chin game plan to exploit that, Luke. And that's really the difference. Yeah. She, I didn't get this. I didn't, again, whoever wrote the tweet, I didn't get the sense that they were pissed, but they just wanted to put their, their impressions out there. I mean, to your point, here, here's where I, I come down on the cyborg thing and thinking about it and taking some of that feedback. To me, is she as offensively potent and, let's say, dangerous in a moment? as she was three, four, or five, six years ago. Yeah, maybe not. Before, there was a little bit of like, like even in, this, even in the Invicta Marlouz Kunin fight, man, she was tossing her around. You just were waiting for the referee to show her a little bit of mercy. Leslie Smith was not in that kind of a position. She was losing all four rounds heading into the fifth, but she was not, I mean, yes, I know, I know there was a suplex, but it, it didn't have the same devastating feeling. Like, Marlouz looked helpless Leslie looked a little bit overmatched, but not helpless. I didn't feel like that was the case um, necessarily. So I'll say this. To me, I, I don't know if Cyborg, as you indicated, dude, just these, these athletes are going to age. And reconciling that is not an insult. It's just trying to figure out what effect it might be having, minimal or otherwise. So I don't think she's quite the offensive dynamo that she was in the sense of its dangerousness. However, I will say this, BC, and I think you might agree with this. While we don't have that same level of devastation, that great white shark feeding kind of feeling, she's really cleaned up a lot of the mistakes. Like True. she has, she takes her time. You know, she has a good jab. She doesn't get hit a lot. She doesn't get taken down a lot. She's really never hardly out of position. That's gonna keep her. Like to me, the mistakes that have cost her, which is minimal, but that she has really raised that up. So to me, that's gonna make her competitive for a very long time. Look, if she was still the the aggressive brawler from the Strike Force days, or even you know early Invicta, she she would be 
you know, she would be found out sooner at this age. But she has built a style to her credit that aids in longevity. She has built a style now built upon, yes, she's still punch. Look, the, the thing at the end of the day is, what makes her special? Every shot is a power shot. I mean, seriously, every shot moves and hurts her opponents. But she somehow built herself efficient within that window in the past few years. I started to see it in Invicta. I certainly saw it through her UFC run the Nunes fight notwithstanding where she went for broke. But, you know, it's not dissimilar to Floyd Mayweather in his late 30s, Luke, who became more of a pot shotter, but it was a very effective, smart sort of make-you-miss counter once. This wasn't, you know, pretty boy Floyd coming out with flurries to finish you like he was doing at lightweight, you know? So it's how you adapt, and this is why I always stop to give Chris Cyborg the full credit of being a professional, of always being in the best possible shape, and being a lot smarter than she gets credit for, Luke, in terms of her involvement. Yes. Uh, I also think we should also say for Leslie Smith, I did think she showed a lot of it. It was weird, right? Because in some ways, defensively, that was like the best Leslie Smith we'd ever seen. She was just up against someone where she couldn't get to. I mean, it's we, I always talk about in jiu-jitsu, it's a very simple way for folks who've never trained to understand. And, you know, it, the argument is much more complicated than this. But as you're learning jiu-jitsu, as you get better at it, it's survive, defend, and then attack. Those are the tiers. And, of course, you're going to go back and forth between all three of them, depending on what kind of match you're in or what the situation may be. But, like... Early in your when you start out, you're just surviving a lot. Then you get better at some of the def- defense, and then you can begin to really work your game once all those other pieces come into play. That's a sort of simplistic roadmap, but it gives you a sense. I thought in this one, man, her defense was a lot better. She didn't get overwhelmed by some of the combinations. She was able to circle away or break contact whenever she needed to. It was pretty good in that way. It's just she couldn't get that next offensive gear going while Cyborg was able to just mix things up, not in a way that sent the fight to the finish immediately, but over time, you know, made a difference in the end. And to your point, BC, I don't know who the hell Bellator is going to line up in front of her at this point to give her a run. Blenko gave Leslie Smith a loss. She couldn't last, what was it, two rounds, I don't think, well, with Cyborg. Cyborg. So they're in a tough spot. Cyborg called out Cat uh, Zingano afterwards, yeah, and you know but, I get why name wise she would want that fight, and but you know what do you how do you see that one ending, Luke? Not well for Cat Zingano. I, I don't mean, think Cat's not the same striker anymore. This ain't the Misha Tate fight anymore, right? Like you know, like she can wrestle. She's 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 tough. She's big, but yeah, yeah. I I, I that's you know I listen. Cyborg has managed her career insanely well. You know, not only is she very, very talented, but I think she's going to Bellator at a time when, you know, could she still be in the UFC and win? Yeah, probably. Probably she could. Uh, Amanda Nunez, I don't know, but probably she could uh, otherwise. But she's going to an organization where she's still going to get some top-ranked women who have done some interesting things in the sport, but aren't necessarily the same kind of threat to her in that way. And... um you know, she's got all these abilities built in. So she's going to keep that belt, I think, for a long, long time. And she's going to get paid for it. Like, Cyborg has played this game actually pretty well. It just, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's unfair to say, you know, it's probably not the same menace over the division that we thought it was, you know, half a decade ago. I don't think that's at all crazy. Don't put that very out there. Very fair. Very fair of you, Luke Thomas. All right. So let's get to our last and final major topic here. This news came to us, I believe it was announced by Pacquiao. I saw it from Mike Coppinger, but just the same. 
Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, can you believe this? Manny Pacquiao was 42 BC. How this man gets out of bed without creaking and aching like I do, I'll never know. And on top of that, he's going to fight Errol Spence, BC. This will be a welterweight contest, about 147 pounds, August 21st. It will be on pay-per-view. It will be in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know what the venue is yet, but here we go, BC. All right. Let's get your reaction to this pretty interesting news. And for folks who are MMA fans, kind of help them set the context here a little bit. Well, look, we didn't see this coming, and that's what makes this a really cool announcement, super special. Boxing did not adapt, obviously, to the to the uh, to the quarantine nearly as well as like UFC did, and you know some of that is the dis- disorganization and the the reliance upon the live gate. But that's why we are now seeing. You know, Wilder Fury 3, all these su- sort of super-ish fights come together in a quick succession. I mean, what a spring and summer we're going to have in all of combat sports. But, Luke, this one feels really special because Manny Pacquiao is the hot ticket right now among the elite welterweights. You know, the, he's the biggest name you can find. Floyd's not coming back and fighting these guys. Manny's the biggest name you can find, and it would still matter if you beat him. Why? Because... Although it was two years ago, two years ago, summer of 2019, Manny Pacquiao went in there on pay-per-view against unbeaten Keith Thurman, knocked him down, took his title, won a close but high-paced action pay-per-view main event, and got back into the top 10 pound for pound and basically did things at this point in his career that fighters don't do. I mean, seriously, like Pacquiao, you know, what's weird, Luke, is, wow, my, I had a you know, Greg, Bobby Brady moment there with my voice. Uh, What's weird here, Luke, is that, you know, Pacquiao's ultimate claim to fame in his, uh, you know, in his, in his fighter obituary one day is, you know, boxing's only eight division champion. He accomplished that in like 2011, right? Like 10 years ago, he had already hit his sort of mountaintop extreme hall of fame, all-time great moment. But he's been, like, sneaky adding on all these extra wins. You know, two against future Hall of Famer Tim Bradley. Like, all these here and there. Yes, he lost to Floyd, but that Keith Thurman win was... It was just massive and eye-opening. And look, Luke, um, this wasn't the same guy against Jeff Horn, who was probably not taking that fight as seriously, was doing the full-time senator thing. You know, I think that that was a wake-up call that, you know, at this level, it's like... We talk about activity. Conor McGregor is only going to be great again if he can stay active and, and, and just become a real fighter again. Someone like Manny almost needs this long time off in between, and, and he needs to take it seriously and put in serious camps. And because he's so extra special and he's got really large calves, he can, he can muster himself up to a level that you can't count him out. Luke, I cannot count him out in this fight. What I favor Spence, of course, is there the potential that this is a little bit too far off to chew for Manny, where he could get stopped late in this fight. It is in play. Spence is that great. He's a finisher, and it has been two years since we've seen Manny. But his name still matters. Beating him still matters. You look at Spence's recent resume, like, you know, this is what's separating Spence from Bud Crawford right now is the resume. If he could add Manny Pacquiao at a time where we're not coming in here saying, oh, Manny Pacquiao's washed. No, we're coming in here saying Manny Pacquiao's a sneaky live dog even two years later. I mean, this is a big fight. Look, this fight matters, right? PBC on Fox pay-per-view. It matters. Uh, I- I'm really happy to see it. It's, in- it's incredible. I mean, if you had told me, I think we said this on CBS Sports HQBC. If you had told me after Mayweather versus Pacquiao 
that basically Floyd would go on. I know, I know he fought, fought Broner, but he would basically go on, retire, then fight Birdo. MMA fighters Birdo. and now kick, huh? He fought Birdo, not Broner. Sorry. You're talking about Manny or Floyd? Andre Berto, yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah. the Haitian sensation. Okay, but you get the idea. He fought him and then essentially retires and then fights Conor McGregor and now YouTubers and exhibitions in Florida. And that Pacquiao, since then, would go on to lose to Jeff Horn and yet somehow rebound to put together wins over Lucas Matisse, Adrian Broner, excuse me, and then Keith Thurman. And now he's fighting Spence at 42 years old while Floyd is, you know, t- you know, out here tangling with Logan Paul. I would have never in a million years believed it. I thought for sure with his shoulder and the whole thing and all the excuses then that, it, you know, the train was kind of coming off the tracks a little bit because, hey, he's 35, 36 or, you know, it's he's a little bit older and that's just what happens with boxing and blah, 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 blah. And then here we are. Dude, His he is heading into this fight. I hope folks know. With a record of 62-7-2. This will be his 72nd professional contest. Dude, that is an Iron Man who is out Look, there. And I agree. He turned pro. He turned pro when I was like a junior in high school. Like, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous, he turned, dude. He turned pro in January of 1995. I was in ninth grade. I was in ninth I mean, that's, grade that's when he turned pro. stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. And, and, you know, our, our our producer Manich is reaching out and saying he was two years old. That's probably true, Luke. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, so, 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 look, so, so, know, so I just want to point out. So, I just want to point out last thing. For him to be in this position, he is still. For folks who may not know, he is very much ranked at the very top near well, this, this weight class, welterweight one forty seven. It's a fight that you could absolutely justify making in terms of a competitive space and, and everything else. I, I'm happy to see it. It's not. It's not Spence Crawford, BC. Boxing doesn't give you what you want. It gives you the stocking stuffers and the door prizes. Not a bad door prize. But look, I you know I like this better than Pacquiao against Mikey Garcia, which was in talks. And and look, just one thing, Luke. I mean, we all saw Barry Bonds hit seventy three home runs and hit three seventy as like a forty year old. I mean, we saw some ridiculous things. I want to believe what I'm seeing. I don't know, Luke. But even under that, guys, even under that, if you wake up, if you're Luke Thomas, you just wake up and be like, everybody's doing something, right? Um, it's still insanely impressive that Pacquiao can carry his speed, his chin, that he can still be a difficult guy to box because of the angles and the IQ. I, I mean, seriously, I, whether you have suspicions or not, to be able to linger this long and be this great still, dude, you don't freaking see that. I mean, this is a, I mean, he's taken the kind of damage, Luke, where, Seriously, where, where it's like, I mean, he was in wars. Dude, him at, like, featherweight and stuff against, like, Marquez, Barrera, Mar- you know, uh, Morales. Dude, he was in freaking wars, bro. And he's still doing this. I mean, you do at some point have to go, this is a special alien in terms of this great sport, this ridiculous great sport that we've seen. So I know people on Twitter that don't really know are like, oh, what a money grab. Spence going in there against the old guy. Eh, this, may, this may actually be a good fight at the end of the day. Also, BC, if we end up going to this, this is the same weekend as Cannibal Corpse and Dying Fetus in the same I mean, card, on, bro. The same come on event. with this. Are we gonna go? Are we gonna go? Are you gonna be a man about it and go with me? Well, it's not a Showtime fight, so I don't think they'll send us, Luke. Are you saying if CBS Sports HQ sends you and I out there, there won't be MK uh, documentary cams following us? Okay, so See, here's uh, the I thing, don't... though. Here's the thing: I can shoot stuff for the MMA documentary crew. Because I feel like Spence Pacquiao plus 
you in the Cannibal Corpse pit. That's documentary material. It really is. Well, <laughs> will I be willingly allow Satan to enter my body by stepping into that, Luke? They're not Satanists. They don't give a shit. They don't even believe in Satan. It's just about it's just having a good music. time. Yeah. Is Guar going to be there, Luke? I hope. I yeah. hope. I hope. Uh, All right. We'll see what happens. Those are, okay. those are our five major topics here for the day. It's time for us to, for you to ask us questions. Excuse me. It is time for DMs from dogs. So we put up a post every Sunday on Instagram where we ask you to give us your questions. The producers pick five, and then we go from there. All right, BC, from Skybound Fitness. Is Rob Font perhaps the most unheralded rise to the top of a stack division in recent memory? No. Wasn't Vittori somewhat, somewhat unexpected? Somewhat, yes, yes. Let, let's think back in recent UFC modern history of somebody who worked their way to either the title or a title shot or elite contention where three, four, five fights earlier, you'd be like, hell no. Is there a, is there a good comparison here, Luke? Maybe early Kenny Florian. Um, he turned out to be a title contender across two weight classes. Um, fair. I'd say surprising. Who got a title shot or like a title... Like oh, Blahovich is. A, I think I think everything about Blahovich is a little bit surprising. That's a great this, call. That's a great ass call right there. Yes. Dude, I, I told you, man. I've been like, look, I've been going over that Adesanya fight just to see everything. Like, what did I not understand about the guy? And I, I came to this conclusion, dude. Like, if I I, I, I told everyone in the live chat this, I watched his first Manoa fight on this screen and his second Manoa fight on this one where he got much better. And I watched round one, round one, two, two, three, three to see the differences. They're not huge differences, but the subtle shifts have made a dramatic difference in his game. Um, he's a guy. Dude, there's a lot of these guys, man. We've been Anthony saying, Smith. you know. Anthony Who? Smith. Anthony Smith. Anthony Lionheart yeah. Smith. Yeah, I know he keeps winning, and that just drives you crazy because you don't understand why he wins. See, Luke, just this is what people me. don't get. See, if you didn't know better and you watched the show, you'd probably think, who does BC not like the most? Canadians? <laughs> uh, Japanese MMA? Uh, uh, you know, Anthony Smith? Uh, no, I love all them, Luke. I just don't like you, and that's the point of this game, right? Come yeah. on, you know? All right, which is fine because you joined my family and also not liking me, but the point still stands that Anthony Smith at 205 anyway, not, not necessarily 185, I think has exceeded certain expectations. There's been a few of them on the women's side. Dude, Carlos Sparza getting back here is fucking insane. Like, I would not have predicted this four or five fights ago that we'd be here. I agree with that too. Great calls. Also, I love Brendan Schaub. I'm just trying to rib you. I know he's your boy, all right? What? Shab, we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see him in Miami. I'm gonna bring all this shit up, bro. Java so Bros. Hey, can I energy. can I join the 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 the, uh, oh, the Java Jerks Club? That'd be great, right? No, you're I'm not pretty welcome. Thick nowadays, Luke. I, bet, I my wife, by the way, read me the Riot Act yesterday. She's like, you what, know, did, what did she say? She called you a fat bastard? Kind of. Yeah, I, don't, I won't go into details because it's private. But yeah, she did. All right. Maybe she's right, uh, Luke. Okay. Maybe you know what? Right. You gotta get a part of that thick boy bike club. That's what you gotta do. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. From at Greg Leach 99. How does the UFC justify giving Zhang Wiley a title shot over Carla Esparza given the one-sided nature of her fight with Thug Rose? I completely agree, BC. You know how I feel about rematches. There's a place for them. 
But just yes. because somebody lost and they had it and it'd be a good rematch or like for whatever reason other than the terms of the previous fight itself, you want to make it happen, then just say that because the case for Zhang Weili is zero. There is no case for her to get a rematch. Well, the case for her is that she's a you know growing Chinese star in a, in a market that they want to do big things in. Yeah, which is not an with, argument for a rematch. It's an no, argument I'm, I'm not justifying, but I'm saying that's a big part of it mixed with that fight has potential, Luke, and I think the rematch would be close. I think it would be similar to Joanna and Rose, where one was a walkthrough, two was more of a representation of their actual abilities, and it was a five-round tactical sort of thriller. You know, there's that potential that Rose Whaley, too, could be that, right? But to, uh, to your point, Rose went in there and, you know, ran through her. Why do we need to run it back? I agree. I think we will see it soon, though, but I think you're going to get both with an interim fight first, Rose against uh, Carlo, who's very deserving. And I don't know, what what is a good um, opponent for, for Wei Li in your eyes if she does not get the title next? Ooh. Um, she could fight Yan Xiaonan. Let's look at the strawweight top 10, Luke. I'm loading it up right now. She could fight Yan Xiaonan. She could fight Dern. There's, there's a few fights. Well, Xiaonan just, just, took a, just took a hard L there, Luke. So, we so, did, have to so did Zhang Wei Li? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, there was damage, though. Um, you know, Klaja? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If, if Nina uh, Ansaroff's now Nunez is a little bit more ready to get back out there, that's one you could do. He sure. boss? Tisha? No, not Tisha. Yeah, but she, she's got COVID. COVID issues. Who does? You didn't see this? Who are you talking about? Speak it. Amanda, Amanda Hebos. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Luke. She got it. They had to delay their fight. They had to delay the Nunez. Excuse me. They had to delay the Hibas Hill fight. Uh, it's off now for the second time because she got COVID for the second time. Yeah, keep not getting shots, people. Keep not getting vaccinated. It's a smart idea, I promise. Um, so, so it's off. It's off. They're not going to do it, I guess. Doesn't take um, away how heartfelt her dad's commitment to that ink was. <laughs> Tell you what, I hope why one don't you day, get the same tattoo for your kids? How about that? I hope that? one day you do something elaborate to show. Wow, oh, look at, look I'm at getting that. a tattoo. I'm getting a tattoo of my look daughter. At, Not necessarily that, her face. That just shows how hot this basement is. I hope you commit, Luke, to doing something beautiful for your daughter and then somebody like you with a microphone in their basement with sweaty pit stains is like, wow, that's shitty art, you know? You, you look like the character Powder that someone glued a wig and bad beard to. <laughs> I don't know if it's bad. Look, by the way, I've always had problems growing shit. That's why at McDonald's that time when I had that date coming up, I wore the Band-Aid over the goatee because I finally got it in. It was growing. This is like career best for me right now, and you're just shitting on it every day, all right? Yeah, it's pathetic. I mean, it's the worst. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd go pathetic. It connects. It finally connects, Luke. I Let always said I would get a... I would do a cycle of, of like... What's my favorite steroid? Stanozol. If you shoot Stanozol right into my cheek right here, Luke, when I'm sleeping, Stanozolol, and you can guarantee a, a beard coming out without the, the bitch tits, I would get in on that, Luke. You got to get on trend, too. You don't want to just blast and cruise. All right. Uh, let's go to Triple A 1017. This is actually an interesting question. How will Leslie Smith be remembered in MMA history? It's a great question. Well, Luke, can you update me on, on what really happened with her exit from UFC and all the labor stuff so I have a full picture of this? So basically, uh, God, I have to go back and look exactly what the issue was. She had an opponent. She weighed in. 
and she had an opponent who uh, I think missed weight, and either she wanted some kind of compensation or she refused to take the fight. And based on whatever legality they had, they let her go. I think they paid her for her purse and everything else like that. Like they didn't just send her packing with no paycheck. They did what they, like what they did for Diego. Like they gave him his full purse, like your Reebok money, whatever, just go away. They gave him go away money. But I think that her claim was, and you know, I don't want to weigh on it. That, that's, that's what an arbitrator is supposed to do. But she filed, or she tried to file a labor dispute claim that she believed she was let go, not for any of these other issues, but because she had been organizing um, on behalf of unionization efforts for the fighters. So she tried to get that labor dispute pushed up the, the, the actual chain of the National Labor Review Board and the whole nine yards. But you understand, a lot of these things can be administrative. A lot of these things can be political. The guy in charge, essentially, of how, or her case, because her case got moved, was a Trump appointee. But now, here's the key, here's the deal. That dude is gone. Now Biden has replaced him with his guy. So if someone wanted to challenge it, there's actually a reasonable case to be made that you're here in front of somebody who is very sympathetic to the causes of aggrieved labor. That doesn't mean she would win, but potentially it'd be something else. So she believes basically that she got the ax for trying to um, unionize the, the, the labor force. But <laughs> She probably did. She probably go. did. Um, I'd like to see her go down <laughs> to some kind of normal ray, but if Dana has any hand in this, she probably won't be remembered in MMA history, though. No, seriously, Luke, why don't you answer this question? Yeah, I think in terms of fighting, you could say that she was one of the figures who I think orbited the more established champions of the eras in which she fought. I think she gave some of them some pretty good fights. She had accomplished a fair amount herself. But I, I definitely think, based on what has happened in her career, she'll be remembered as something of a pioneering, guiding force inside the cage for the time in which she competed, but something of a firebrand outside of it. She's outspoken. Um, you know, she's obviously committed to self-improvement. Here she is fighting and training and getting a secondary edu- uh, a, a, a post-secondary education um, and, you know, fighting on behalf of the athletes in a way that no one else would. She's the one that asked Kobe Bryant that question at the fighter retreat about organizing and everything else. Like, she was the one pushing those buttons. I think it'll be the combination of the two when it's all said and done. I do want to say, though, that, like, I, I commend that. And, and, you know, she had to take an L for that, but... Somebody's got to stand up, Luke. So at the end of the day, I hope she's remembered. I hope there's that asterisk, you know, pretty good fighter, had some ups and downs, you know, whatever. But I hope she gets the 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 after the fact, you know, recognition for for being that brave. I mean, look, somebody you look, look to, to make change. Somebody's got to stand up on the hill and, and, and get mocked. Right. And get get stuff thrown at. She had the balls well, to do understand that, there's not a lot of people in any line of work, media or otherwise, who can challenge UFC and survive it. It's usually something of a death sentence, not an immediate execution, but like over time it ostracizes you from enough parts of the major elements inside MMA. It can, it can damage your career. She has managed to, you know, find a way to hang on in a pretty spectacular way. And so, you know, credit to her. It's just her resume, or I should say her legacy, I think will be both of those things. It will not be one or the other. Uh, okay. From... Telvin Key Papa. Wow, you PC. got it, Luke. You normally you hate that guy. You you got it. You nailed it. Well, everyone has the worst name ever, uh, including me. No, he, no he's Did Hawaiian, Valerie... Luke. Luke, could you give him some respect? He's Hawaiian. Oh, uh, he's Hawaiian. Okay, well, his name is a little bit better then. All right. Did Valerie Loretta lose some of her star power, BC? Yeah, we didn't get into any of the uh, Bellator undercard here. Um, she, she was in. She was good. This she was going to be on my uh, odds and ends. Okay, uh, well, why don't we hit that now? Um, 
temporarily, yes, but it's more about what she does next that could completely regain. Now, here's two things to her credit. It's really early in her career, all right? And, you know, that fight was wild and sloppy and, you know, had dramatic turns. But, you know, she found out, as we did, that there's some, you know, there's a lot that needs to be worked on. And that's not uncommon when you get somebody who's way more marketable than they've yet proven they're good. You know, it, it can be an up and down the balance. We are in a sport in mixed martial arts where losses are some ways welcomed early on i mean you've got to grow from this you know it's not like it's not like boxing in that regard um she she was pretty on brand in her ig responses since the loss luke which were very scantily clad uh pictures including the middle finger launched in them so she's basically like f y'all um the proof will be in the pudding of, of whether she can win luke if she can win fairly consistently in this game she's got a very smart marketing plan on how to be a star. So um, temporarily, yes, star power lost, but we can't we can't speak to the end game, Luke, until we see what happens next. Yeah, I, I would say this, man. Let me just caution any fighters out there who may see this. Like everybody wants to jump to the front of the queue right away because it makes all the sense in the world if if you don't think about the longer big picture, which is to say, dude, like making shit money on regional fight cards, fighting people who you might just be better than or, you know, no, no one knows about. Toiling in obscurity, let's say, BC. Toiling in obscurity. It feels pointless and it feels like it will hold you back and it feels like you can't support yourself. And I'm not here to tell fighters how to live their lives and how they should arrange their finances. But you can see, like, oh, well, what if I could just get those same fights and then just do it under the bright lights of Bellator where I can make a ton of money, or not a ton of money, but more than I ordinarily would be given the circumstance and blah, blah, blah. Okay, but here's the problem. If you do that, one, Bellator can do it in ways that UFC, UFC could not accommodate CM Punk. They could not accommodate someone with that level of skill on their roster because you need other people of commensurate skill for them to fight. They couldn't really do that. You need soccer that. moms, Luke. You need some freaking soccer moms, okay? They you don't do. Have that well, here's here. the thing. Bellator is a little bit more capable of that. They can play with the margins because it's a little bit more flexible in their model. But at the same time, dude, when you are 3-0 and or 3-1 and or 4-0 and or 4-2, and whatever, I know we see a lot of guys come to UFC with records of 5-0 and when they're in their contender series, but those are the studs that were probably going to make their way anywhere. Anyway, you got to understand, if you're three fights or four fights into your career, you probably are not very good, and it's going to take you a long time to get good. You should do that in obscurity. You should do that in a way where there's not this pressure on you to be something you are not. Like, I saw some good things in terms of Valerie's toughness that were, I thought, pretty impressive, but there were major, major jujitsu developmental skill issues. There were major fight IQ issues. That you, but do you remember her corner in the second round? Dude, they read her the riot act. Oh, they put it on rounds. her, yeah. And I thought, I thought they were utterly justified. I think my they were like enough of the spinny shit, mo mother effer, right? I mean, they were yeah, they were fucking, they were up front with her, and they were right. Every everyone, whoever that guy was, was a thousand percent correct. So to me, it's like, dude, take your time to get good, and then once you get good, go make money off of that. But you need to make sure that that nurturing process is right. So I don't want to hammer Valerie and say, oh, the sky is falling. The sky is not falling. But it is a little bit instructive that people are like, oh, there's this about her, there's that about her. And now it begins to define who she is in the public consciousness. Let people do that when you've got a little bit more of a developmental progress to show. It's my firm yeah, belief. Yeah, here's what's interesting is I had, 
I had said, you know, why is this fight not on the main card? Now, it ended up being on the main card because of an injury, but, um, you know, there's a great argument of why it shouldn't have been and why moving forward until she can put a few wins together that you, you, you have to be careful, Luke, of, of Sage North cutting her, right? You know what I mean? Like, you got to be careful of, uh, of doing that, of getting too high on the, the marketing side without allowing someone to grow and, and, and make mistakes and, and do that. Luke, in two years, will she be main eventing Bellator cards? Will she be main eventing BKFC cards? Will she be out of the sport? I mean, will she be with the know. UFC? She'll we be, don't know. Be, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I, I would guess she would be in Bellator, but, you know, you got to let these things play out first. All I right. saw Ioana commented her on her IG and said, I'll be back at ATT next week. Let's get at it. So, it's, you know, you could, it could be worse for her, Luke. Okay, she's going to improve. Fair enough. All right, from at lovely Rita Meter Maid 265. Yeah, where would I be without her, right, Luke? Right? What are your favorite guilty pleasure musicians or songs? Great question. Great freaking question. Luke, I've gone on record many times and said, look, I'm sorry. The, 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 the emo BC can get down with some dashboard confessional. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you freaking think about that. You know what's a great guilty pleasure song, though, Luke? A great one. I don't care. If it's on, I'm going for it. Leather and Lace by uh, Don Henley and Stevie Nicks. I mean, seriously, Luke, it's, it's freaking spectacular. All right? I mean, you have the nerve to talk about my music. Dude, it's um, guilty play. We're talking about guilty pleasures here, bro. It's, you're allowed to dip into like pop or country bullshit or whatever. I'll say um, for workouts, I will sometimes put on Dead Mouse a little bit just to get a little bit of a groove going sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of like something like goofy I listen to. I mean, for my kid, I listen to a lot of goofy stuff. But You know, I used to think all of Fleetwood Mac was a guilty pleasure, Luke. I was wrong, okay? Yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Uh, you know what also is a guilty pleasure? I got the I got I got some I inherited some Journey vinyl. Oh God, dude, that lot the lot the live albums, Neil Sean on guitar. I mean, they rock, Luke. They freaking rock. I'm sorry, they do, they do. All right, I'm not I'd talking about the radio. I'd, I'd rather hits, just Luke. I'd rather just go to jail. Luke, Steve Perry has pipes. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's got Rocco level pipes. I mean, like, like they, like, like the guy. I mean, say what you want. At the end of the day, the videos are corny, and every chick loves their songs, and that was everybody's prom song. But that's a guilty pleasure. That I'm, you know, if no one's around, Luke, you're gonna get down to that shit. The right? only guilty pleasures I think I could really say that I have are the ones. Again, it's just something to facilitate a workout. So I'll put like it's the terrible like a grunge band. Well, I don't think they're grunge. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they are. I'll put occasional three days grace on the workout mix. It's just, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's a little new metal-ish, not quite, I don't know what it is, but it's not great, but it's fun for a workout. Keep, okay. keep, keeps you going, is what All I right. would say. Uh, Manich jumping in. By the way, Manich jumps in on the chat. Jay Aaron used to just jump the fuck in, right? You know, Manich yeah, just is very talk discreet. to us. He, He's he very says, com com comfortable Jay is what I called him. He says no Pitbull or Kesha in those workout playlists, Luke? No. That's what Manish is no, saying to you. Right? No. It'll never be. Right. No. That's not guilty. By the way, I got, a text, I got a text from Jay Aaron last week that said, I know you keep calling Manish the poor man's uh, Justin Timberlake. And he was like, how about this? And he sent me all these like cover tracks that he's working on for this uh, covers in minor album. Are you into this Pennington James movement or no, Luke? BC, why are you asking me questions like that? All right. it's, well, no more of a, of it's no more of a movement than my bowel movement. 
Luke, I'll be getting on a plane soon, and I will be meeting up at that undisclosed location with Jake, our documentarian, and I will be seeing a rough draft of uh, Doc 3. I know that Doc was aborted because of the the COVID mishap there at Mohegan, but uh, I hope it's quality, Luke. I'm crossing my fingers, all right? Do you have any hope for it? Can Can we stop talking about this? Okay, that's great. That's great. All right. Time for you to give us your silly shit. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, Luke. Uh, so what do we do every weekend? We uh, Every week, we scour the globe, Luke, for the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the in-between in combat sports and beyond. It's called... <coughs> Have you seen this shit? <coughs> um, oh, shit, Luke. I deleted the email with all the shit in it. I mean, can you give me a minute, Luke? Can you, can you vamp for a second? Yeah. No, it's a live show. Should we tell people show. what actually happened with the merch and who we'd love to blame? <laughs> I mean, keep keep going, Luke. Keep going, okay? I'm glad just you came prepared. Like, it's good. I know. Smart. Just, I, I, you just give me like 20 seconds here, okay? Why do okay. birds suddenly appear? Yeah, keep it going. You're, go- you're doing well. You're doing well. Every time you are near, just like me, they long to be. All right. Close to you. Luke, we start in the UFC. Uh, we the close Luke, to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's UFC fight night in Vegas, Luke. Lightweight Hafiel Alphys. Did you see this spinneroonie he put on in the loss to Demir Ismagulov? Your thoughts? Not, not, I don't know what a spinneroonie is, but this is a nice way to sort of granby roll and explode to your feet. A Spinneroonie was made famous by uh, Hall of Fame WWE wrestler Booker T, Luke. This is Mark Raimondi who tweeted this out and, and gave a nice Spinneroonie reference. It's yeah, breakdancing, Luke. That's, okay? that's, yeah, it's not what that is, though. It's freaking breakdancing. Uh, it wasn't the only breakdancing we saw for UFC Vegas this week. Flyweight Bruno Gustavo Da Silva, uh, he knocked out Victor Rodriguez, Luke. But afterwards, check out this, man. Yeah, I saw this. He's like an like old school B-boy. Sick. Look at that, Luke. Yeah, on his head, no less, on the, on, the, on the pavement. Well, Luke, he wasn't just impressive on his head. He was also impressive on the cage. Here's that knockout I mentioned of Rodriguez. Talk about a one-two on the money, right? Yeah, he just measures him. Bop, Oof. sits him right down. He just measured and him. It was nothing. It was, it, it was academic. Grade the celebration, Luke. Yes, right? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a solid All D+. Right. Plus. He, he got my attention, Luke. You know what else got my attention? Fat heavyweights. Here we go. Your fight of the night on Saturday was Justin Taffa and Jared Vandera. Did you like this piece of business, Luke? Let's see. Look at them get at it. Bro, just throwing hammers. Just two large men. It's like when Hardy calls his, hey, Tui, you want to bang? That's what these guys did, right? Whose heart is this? All right. Hey, Luke, this is from last week's UFC card, UFC 262. Check out Dan Marigliata. Take this to the uh, the old... Uh, <laughs> oh, right to the pills. Oh, Charles Oliveira celebrating, but that you know those Whack. belts are heavy. Those are some heavy-ass belts. Dude, we, had, we used to do this game. When I was, yeah, you all love this. When I was in a fraternity, we didn't play it with everyone, but with a few people. And if you saw them anywhere and they weren't paying attention, you could backhand them to the balls. <laughs> It was called sack whack, and we would just do this all the time. So I'd wait till my fraternity brother would be like talking to some girl, and I yeah. would walk past nonchalantly and just fucking backhand him right in the pills. Oh, it was good times. Good times had by all. I'm glad my yeah. dad paid for this education. 
any of my friends listening to this knows that that Pearl Jam concert in 06 on the Avocado Tour when uh, somebody's girlfriend punched me in the balls as a joke and I thought it was one of my friends, so I spent the entire rest of the night wasted setting people up for, like, right hand, right crosses to the package, Luke. Not, not, probably not my finest moment, but uh, good, good show nonetheless. <laughs> the trick is when you can get shoulder to shoulder with them and they don't know, and then you give them the old, the old backhand, the old bah right there. Yeah. Oh, man, you can just crush them. It's great. Tip on tip, indeed. Hey, Luke, a lot of people sending me this one championship highlight from Jonathan Haggerty leading off with the elbow spike. That's some vicious Ooh. BS right there. Yeah, those are not allowed in certain tie rule bouts, they, the spiking elbow like that, but um, it is a part of it, and that is fucking brutal. Jesus. That is like stabbing a mother, mother effer. Wow, Luke. Yikes. All right. Hey, let's go over to Brave MMAF. Check out Nursultan Ruzabov. Luke, he's the guy uh, on top, okay? okay he's in the triangle. triangle. It's not fully set. Not even close to fully set. This Let's is how you get out of a triangle, though, Luke, okay? All Let's right? see. He is just sort of good mornings uh, oh. deadlifts it. God darn, Luke. That is some pile drive. Wow. He rolls through. He bridges over. And then he doesn't lock up the triangle till here. Let's see. One more time. Picks him up. Oh, Oof. doesn't set, he doesn't get him very. Did he headbutt him? I think he killed him, Luke. That is uh, wrecked him. Damn near okay. killed him. Wow. Uh, hey, let's I, go I, to I regional MMA. Him. We're we're basically there. You know, let's check. You know, anything can happen in regional MMA. Here's your knockout of the week, Luke. Shout out to CTE Society for hooking us up. Oh, 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 oh. Wow. Wow. God oh. damn. You ever chop down a tree and just, yeah, just, wow. In one fell swoop. Let me see this. Guillotine uh, underhooks stays in place. Oh, man. He cuffed him on the way down, too. That was great. Okay. All right. Hey, top-ranked boxing from Las Vegas over the weekend. On the undercard, Javier Martinez sending Calvin Metcalf to the, uh, to the basement floor. And look at the convulsions, Luke. This was violent. I mean, someone send him to the barber, please. Yeah. First of all, he's got, yeah, that's, uh, he's kind of known for that. He's a journeyman that shows up on these top rank cards, but, uh, wow, Luke. Wow. Okay. I mean, send this guy to a hairdresser, please. For yeah, the love please. of Christ. Hell of a right hand, though. Whew. Love it. Love yeah, especially it, if you indeed. just stand right there. Hey, Luke, we talked about Josh Taylor scoring two knockouts. Here was the second one in round seven. Do you think this was clean and legal? I do. I know some folks took issue with it. I, I, I didn't. I will say, we didn't really talk about this at the top, I thought Bayless was a little a little much for me. A little he handsy. Was he was, he was not letting handsy. him wrestle. Well, Luke, look, I've always said that boxing referees have like strike zones similar to a baseball umpire. You remember the Mayweather-Maidana series? The first fight had Tony Weeks as the ref, and it was, was kind of like a war in a way. Second fight had Kenny Bayless. There you go. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, it, it fit, was a boxing Mayweather match. style a lot more. Yeah, they used to call Kenny Bayless Bay Mayweather's like personal caddy, sort of you know preferred referee. Well, he's got a style, Luke. All right, let's keep it going here, Luke. Uh, top ranked star Vasily Lomachenko is going to be coming back soon against uh, Nakatani, and he visited the Salt Bay. Luke, you into this guy? I can't. You think this, this guy, guy bangs? You think this guy this guy f's Luke? Dude, he probably he does all those gross things that Rocco makes all those women do that makes me so angry at him. Yeah, he's involving so, a cup. 
involving he's, a two no, girls. No, not even that. He's so filthy and gross. I bet this dude does absolutely gross things. Where? What city does he work in? Does he have like his own restaurant? I don't understand the Salt this, Bay phenomenon. Okay, I don't know where he's based. Based out of maybe Turkey. This place is Dubai. He could be based out of there. So he's in. This is in Dubai. Are you but, sure? This looks Vegas to me. Hundred percent. This is Dubai. Hundred percent. Okay. All right. I saw Connor visited him recently. Uh, Poirier was with him. You know, he makes the rounds, Luke. All right. You know, this dude right. makes does the most insanely gross things. In yeah, La I'm, I'm not into it anymore. Okay. Hey, let's go to Bellator 259, Luke. We talked about Hannah Guy getting the upset of Valerie Laredo. Look at how she stuffed the spinny shit. It was like a running kiss. Did you see that? Wait, what? Loretta was told to stop doing spinny shit, and then in round three, Luke, she went right back to the well, but Hannah yeah. Guy stuffed it with a yeah. running kiss. Yeah, yeah, I've never see seen kiss. this move I, before. I, I don't actually see any kiss here. I see her using her face and her forehead to get Loretta's head backwards so she can then take her down. All right, well, it worked. It worked, Luke. And after the win, look at Hannah Guy doing it. Look at dancing on Loretta's grave. I, I mean, is this, this. Was, was this grounds for Loretta coming after her? Would, you have, would that have been acceptable? Uh, I'll say this. Listen, she earned it. She earned it. She earned it the hard way. You can do that kind of stuff. I didn't realize her first name is a palindrome. That's interesting. Yeah. What is your favorite palindrome, Luke? Kayak? Taco cat. Race car? Taco cat? Really? Okay. Taco cat backwards is taco cat. All right. All right. It's interesting. Uh, also on this undercard, Leandro Higo uh, took a you know somewhat disputed close win over Caldwell. But what was this, Luke? The hell's this? He's just posting on him, dude. Luke, we don't have a spot to talk about it on this show. But you know, Dar- I-, I thought Darian Caldwell should have won this fight. It was close, but this proves that his style of getting inside your guard on the ground and doing nothing, uh, the judges don't like that, Luke. Oop. You went dead in my ear. Hang on, hang on. Let me switch. Let me switch. I can't hear you. Yeah, maybe you should charge that shit before the show, Luke. And uh... I did. I thought I did uh, over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, he has now been outstruck from the bottom, losing two fights. I don't think I've ever seen that before. A high-level fighter losing two bouts in two different occasions, being outstruck from the bottom. Does he just once. not have a strategy when he takes people down? Because he's an incredible wrestler, but this is like this is tough, man. He should have won this fight. Yeah, I don't understand what he's doing because at this point. I said it before, dude, like his ground game is very, very good. His wrestling in particular is really, really good. But there's a lack of like he doesn't really pass a lot. He does have some chokes, but he doesn't really force him. So he has to kind of sometimes just kind of ride out the clock, which makes him a little bit error prone. Plus, there's no real stand up. So it's just that. And that's enough to get the wrestling. It's enough to do what it's designed for, but it can't do anything else. And as you can see, not enough to, to get the win here. Yeah, tough loss. Hopefully he can learn from this and come back a new man. Hey, Luke, people are sending me tattoos left and right to get you to rate their ink in honor of Mr. Hebos. Here's this week's uh, sending. Who got a picture of my belly tattoo? That's uh, that's creative there, Luke. That is... uh... Also, yeah, but that cat's butthole is, like, majorly open. Would you call that an innie, Luke? Or uh, yeah, that is uh, that's gross. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Dude, can you hey, imagine Luke, you know going that... to the tattoo guy and be like, "I want a cat's butthole on my umbilical yeah. cord area"? Luke, you know that weird Asian guy we feature a lot on this segment of this show who tries to do those things where he almost shows you his junk, but he doesn't. This one, I the feel one, like the one when... whose hog is almost certainly a skin tag. 
this guy, uh, I think he went too far this week. This was a little suggestive. Your I thoughts mean, on this? I here's mean, a, what are we? Here's a blindfold Mentos uh, experiment. This is the uh, you, and you have the balls to say I can't watch make you watch two girls one cup. Well, this is one guy, one bottle, but he got the Mentos into the Coke, Luke, and then we had so an explosion. So fucking gross. This Look is at this absolute This is the last time bag. this guy appears on this show. Believe This that, guy's okay? got the muscle tone of a used condom. I mean, all get right, him out of all here. All right, all right. That's, wow, okay. Uh, Luke, we love uh, we love front yard fights, too. I mean, you know, Kimbo Slice and Masvidal made their bones in the backyard, but check out this front row fight, Luke. Good God! <laughs> What? Who else wants some Adebo? You know what I'm saying, Luke? Wow. He was taking two on one? Yeah, this guy owns that neighborhood. He freaking owns it, Luke. This this guy, look. it looks like, dude, you know who it is? Watch. That's Steven Seagal. That's Hood Steven Seagal. Look at that him. That is Hood now. Steven Seagal, yes. Oh, wow. Marks for death, Just laid that guy out. Whew. All right, let's keep it going. Luke, we got a problem on the show with too many people falling off roofs. Here's this week's entrance. Uh, entrance Dude, I mean, it. you just can't. I don't know why. We just It's always people jumping off roofs on this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not yeah, going to make it, you just... fucking ape. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> can't believe they're white, BC. It's so yeah, out of character. Yeah. There goes two perfectly good kneecaps, Luke. That is not cool. I mean, I mean how I... is this dumb fuck? How did they not get a trampoline? And he doesn't even run off the roof. He look, he like lightly walks, like it's all hot and shit. Oh, yeah. oh, there's my back. Oh, I'm paralyzed from the waist yeah. down. Luke, I was looking at your grinder account, and it said "must love dogs and long walks on the beach." So we combined both for this one, Luke. Check this out. It's the dog. It ain't much, but it's honest work. So the dog's looking for a spot, Luke, to 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 drop to, drop down. But check out the artwork accidentally created here by this this canine legend effortless effortless i mean look this is this is like all time accidental coincidence right did he actually and then he dropped the deuce afterwards and then he dropped yeah, the deuce right after i mean i i don't know i mean sometimes things happen like tim tebow winning all those games and you're just like it must be divine like there must be some cosmic connection how did this dog perfectly draw a unit right there i mean that's insane all right. Hey, you know, Luke, you know what? Uh, this, is, this is how we got crop circles. Remember crop circles? Like the yes. Big, no no yes. one does crop circle controversies anymore. That was big when we were kids. Maybe it was just a dog looking for a place to dump. <laughs> Could be. Hey, Luke, you know what's a growing phenomenon on this show? Uh, dirty dancing fails. I got another one for you this week. Oh, hell fucking yes. These two have wow, had the time of their life, Luke. Wow, look at these honkies. Yep. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Look at these They've two never sober felt like honkies. this before. Yes. Yes. Yes, I swear. I mean, it's the truth, Luke. They owe it all to you. All right. Again, hey, we the talk four of them together couldn't bench press the bar. And look at this. Luke, I want to prepare you for Fury Wilder 3 on July 24th. Deontay Wilder is not fooling around. He's coming for blood. Check out this, like, Steven Seagal hard-to-kill inspired workout video that he put out, Luke. This is, uh, this is intense. I mean, how heavy you think that thing is? Yeah, it's probably pretty heavy. Luke, he's coming for blood, okay? People love these, like, rugged outdoor workouts, like when BJ Penn would grab the huge boulder or the stone yes. or whatever and then drop to the bottom of the pool or the water and then walk across it. But it's like, in reality, what's he doing? This is a landmine press. 
Um, you know, it's interesting, but I don't know exactly what the carryover to. Well, Rocky Balboa would chop wood in Moscow before the Drago fight, Luke, to get himself old school prepared. All right. Well, this is not all Wilder's doing to prepare, Luke. He's also working on his marksmanship. Jesus Christ. Yeah, right? Wow, Luke. Okay. But you know what? Actually, if you look, hold on. Is there any way to blow that picture up? Let me see how he did on the target. Yeah, look closely. I could be wrong about this. Do you see how the grouping goes north to south? What are you, a uh, forensic his, scientist? His, well, well, this is a general rule, BC, a general rule. If someone's grouping goes left to right, that means they're pulling the trigger each way, depending on which hand they are and which way the direction of the pull is. And if their breathing is bad, because you're not supposed to breathe or hold your breath, the idea is that you, you inhale and you exhale, and then in the space in between, that's when it's a, a steady trigger squeeze to the rear. If you don't do that right and you breathe up and down, the, the rounds will reflect it in a vertical manner. So if you look here, my man's got trouble probably with his, that or he's just fucking doing this. But Why do I feel like uh, I'm on a first date with your wife right now, Luke? You know? Yeah, so he, he's got he's got bad grouping there. But, you well, know, Luke, he's not I, the only one who goes to the uh, semi-automatic shooting range for fun. All right, let's see. Oh, yes. He's got Check the AK-47. Check out Big Brown with the El Chapo AK-47 as his uh, yeah. subhead uh, said right there. Looking, looking, looking. Looking thick and jacked, right? What, one of the most incredible firearms ever made. Insanely, insanely durable. Super durable. Hey, you know what? You, Big Brown, and me in Miami should go to a shooting range like this. Bring the MK doc cams. What do you think? We can make, uh, we can make Brendan Schaub a playable character in our MK doc universe. We can do this. I don't, I don't think that we could. No. All right. Well, did you know that Schaub and Wilder are actually like bros? Like they get down with each other, Luke? Okay. Yeah, but that's an old picture. That's an old picture. Well, in fact, one time I appeared on Beneath the Belt and I presented this fact to Brendan Schaub. Let's go to the videotape right now. That's my boy. By the way, you and Wilder did a couple of interviews. It that's my like, boy, it too. It looked like there was magic in there. Oh, dude, like that's my boy. I love Wilder. Smash afterwards? Dude, like I, love, was... I love Wilder, man. He's, he's the man. He's, he's the real deal. All right, but this fight, look, the re. That's my boy. <laughs> By the way, you and Wilder did a couple of um, Luke, that's my boy, too. It looked like there was magic in there. Oh, dude, like, that's my boy. I love Wilder. smash afterwards? Dude. It looked like you know, it... <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of guts to sit in front of a professional comedian and go for it, but he no-sold the shit out of my joke there, Luke, okay? Yeah, yeah. You didn't get the old, I don't like you, I'm not going to answer your question, but you got one step from that. <laughs> like, I didn't even hear that shit. Like, keep, stay, keep that out of my show. I'm telling you, the rematch is coming to Miami, Luke. It's going to be magic, okay? You thought BC versus Josh Thompson was a great crossover. This could be special, Luke, okay? Your thoughts? Okay. Oh, we, right. I doubt that, but we'll see. Luke, it's, it's good to see that there's still hunter, hunterers and gatherers in this world. Check out this guy at the grocery store. I mean, he you know he he kills his food before he eats it, Luke. You gotta be you gotta be a big fan of that, right? Bro, if you roll up to the register with fucking arrows and all your shit, you're a hero in ways I cannot possibly describe. Agreed. Also, what grocery store lets you fucking come in there with a bow and arrow? <laughs> Russian grocery stores, apparently, Luke. Look at this. this I'm like is I'm like, where in Pensacola is this? Yeah. <laughs> wow okay hey i got one more for you luke who is having a better weekend than this fella on the subway check out can we zoom in on that jacket 
Luke, he's been, this guy is basically being like, look, ladies, I cannot tell you how fuck ready I am. Super fuck ready. That guy is ready to bang, Luke. That's oh, it. Yeah. That's it right there, right? He had a tough go in his in his marriage. You know, he's ready to let it all loose. Luke, that's the shit for this week. It's probably apropos that I show off these while I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, BC, time for odds and ends. What do you got for your odds and or ends? Hey, it kind of got, you know, shoved into the broadcast on Saturday, but 37-year-old Paul Felder officially announced his retirement while working the show as an analyst, which he's very good at. Luke, here's the deal. It's not that this was a shocker or that, you know, fresh off of two tough losses, we didn't know, you know, this was inevitable, but I do like to take the time to applaud for how often we talk about on here whether it's misguided or it's our role or not to say, oh, look at that fighter. He needs to retire. That's too many losses or damage. There are the rare times where a fighter gets ahead of it, knows it's their time to go, and and steps out and says, you know what? I had a great run, but it's over. Does Felder still have stuff left in the tank? Yeah, you would think so. He's a very good fighter. He's a fan-friendly fighter. He's made so many fun fights over the years. He's always been honest in his preparation and, and about his performances and all that, Luke. To see somebody who, granted, he's got a nice sort of spin-off second career here as an analyst, but to see somebody do that uh, ahead of time rather than afterwards, I do applaud that because it's very rare in this game that, you know, in the, in sport, in the combat sports game where inevitably, Luke, it takes more from you than it gives back. It's very rare where somebody, you know, uh, does it on their own terms. So I was happy to see that for Paul Felder. He's he's come to terms with everything he's accomplished. He's gotten pretty damn far in this game, Luke. He was a very fun fighter, as I mentioned. Always enjoyed watching him. Love his analyst work. I do want to tip the hat and say congratulations on a great career and best of luck transitioning into the into the second half, which looks very bright. You know, the old Keith uh, Richards lyric, I'd, I'd rather walk before they make me run. Uh, they'll make you run out of the game in this game. And uh, good to see Paul Felder going off on his own terms. Yeah, no doubt about it. And also, if you if you thought, oh man, there's so many other good fights I think he could be in or I'd want to see him in, and now we won't get those. Right. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. That's exactly the way you should feel. A, a fighter's career, especially like one like Paul, like he gave it a go, a really good go, and got pretty far. Never got to a title shot. And, you know, to build yourself back up there, it takes, you know, a certain amount of commitment that he just doesn't want to give to the game anymore. And so while I still think he could be competitive and still win some big fights, the fact that he has that left means that's all that damage, that's all that ruin, that's all that, you know, yes, there could be good parts of it, there's going to be some bad parts too. He doesn't even have to worry about that. Let it go, let it be. You did what you did. It's very, very special. And, dude, this guy, you know, a stage actor to this to now commentating, Obviously, he didn't do stage acting at the highest level. I'm just sort of pointing out this guy's broad level of interest and how engaged man. he is. Yeah, he, yeah, this guy can do a lot of different things. If you can talk about fights and make money, not the same kind of money, but some good coin, do it. Do it. Trust a, me. A quasi sort of you know title contender in a very deep division, but he's got wins over Edson Barbosa, stoppage win over Charles Oliveira. You know, he beat James Vick. I mean, he's he's done some things, Luke. Maybe the Mike Perry loss hasn't aged fully well, but you know, he fought through a serious injury and kept gutting it out in that one. So always have respect for the red. Uh, the hell's his name? The red. Uh, I guess this shows how much respect I have for him. What the hell do we call him, Luke? 
I don't even know who we're talking about. Paul, I don't know. Paul, <laughs> no, Paul Felder? Felder? The Irish Dragon. The Irish Dragon. I always want to call him the Red Dragon, which is obviously Rory McDonald. Yes, the Irish Red Dragon, King. Paul Felder. Red King, I think is what Red he is. Red King, probably. Dead wrong me, all right? Just dead, every Friday, yeah. dead wrong me, please. Uh, I will go to a different one. So I think just a few weeks ago on the show, BC, we were talking about how Gordon Ryan had signed with one championship. Now, he was going to do MMA and grappling, and they had set up a Gordon Ryan versus Shinya Aoki match, which to me is like a complete waste of time because I mean, that's, that's like, that's, that's a mismatch to an absurd degree uh, in every way, not even remotely competitive. So I was like, well, I don't know about that, but that's off. In fact, everything's off. Gordon Ryan announced over the weekend and he wasn't trolling that he is taking an indefinite hiatus from competition. He's had longstanding, I guess stomach issues. I don't know the exact biological condition. They say he went over it on the Joe Rogan podcast. I've not had a chance to hear it yet, but it's been something that's been lingering. He's just been kind of fighting through it. And whatever happened, I, I don't know, but it reached a point where he decided he can't train this way. He can't be in training camps this way. Um, and he's not really himself. And he wants to get whatever the medical issue is sorted before he can ever go back to competition. But he's not even sure when that is so he doesn't want to officially retire because he doesn't know if it's a permanent condition but it could in fact be permanent bc in which case you might never see him back i tend to think that, that won't be it I, I think that he'll find something but when how what it looks like what it does to him no clue so kind of a kind of unfortunate set of news yeah a little bit of a curveball surprise right there um luke there are people that want your take on Joshua Fabia's public reaction to Diego dumping him. Do you have any comments on this? Because he, I mean, he dropped a piles of shit on Diego. Dude, who cares? Can we just stop talking about this guy? For the love of God. Who gives okay. a shit? And then, we'll never honestly, mention the about, school of listen, self-awareness on this show I, again, okay? I, I've, sa- I've said before, dude, like, blaming all of Diego's problems on Fabia <laughs> is not fair to Fabia, but there's enough blame that you can put on him where we don't need to hear from him anymore. We don't really. I'm I'm good to th- I'm good to say if I never hear from him again, it'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. There we won't have to worry about it whatsoever. What so. if on the wheel of death, I had three people you don't like waiting on on Zoom, and you picked that I know you don't want to interview, and you had to pick one and interview them right there. I could now add him to that list, Luke. I'd rather just quit my job. <laughs> It's like, look, we got Yoana and we got... No, just kidding. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's it. I don't... I don't I'm done. I'm done. All right, BC. I know you got to catch a bird, so let's remind everybody, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. You want to follow us on social. Morning Combat's the same name everywhere. Same on YouTube, same on Instagram, same on Twitter, same on everything. So there you go. But me and BC have slightly different names between Twitter and, of course, on Instagram itself. You want to email us for Wednesdays, uh, fan submissions, Friday's Dead Wrong, or anything else if you need to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. That's going to be your place to go right there for anything you might need. Uh, if you want to get our existing merch, our existing merch is limited, BC, but we should be like we fair up about it. It is really nice. Like, the shirts are high quality. The, yeah, the, the The glasses are nice. Like, it's nice stuff. I know that the access is limited to a lot of you, but if you do have access to it, it's really, really great. Store.show.com. Also... If you want to try Showtime, you certainly may. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go to something else. It's okay. Uh, Let's see. We're back on Wednesday with another show. We'll have some other pieces of content out this week. Obviously, and the rest of uh, the scheduled programming goes on as normal. BC, before we sign off, anything else good, sir?
No, I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't have anything else. All right. Well, with that in mind, we thank you for accommodating this wait, unusual wait, wait, time. Wait, you want me to sing a song, Luke? You want me to go, you know, karaoke? Why what do, you want? do birds suddenly appear? <laughs> uh, all right. With that in mind, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Malka. Thanks to Showtime. Thanks to CBS Sports. Until Wednesday, back on normal time on Wednesday, may all of your gains be loyal.